welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. Oh, I'm glad you're with me. I'd be stricken with relapsing polychondritis if I had to hear that you missed this week's show. Improve your email engagement. Do you know that a big email list may be worse than a smaller one? Have you got ghosts or zombies in your lists? This all matters if you want your emails to land in inboxes instead of junk. Judy Freed from Alliance for the Great Lakes helps you see better engagement. She's part of our 21 NTC coverage. And improve your email fundraising. Now that you've got engagement, make your best ask. Bonnie Huff from Banyan Nonprofit Strategy shares her thinking to make your email solicitations more effective. This is also part of 21 NTC. On Tony's Take Two, it's okay to be barren. We're sponsored by Turn Two Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. Here is Improve Your Email Engagement. Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 21 NTC, the 2021 Nonprofit Technology Conference. We're sponsored at 21 NTC by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. With me now is Judy Freed, Senior Marketing Manager at Alliance for the Great Lakes. Welcome, Judy. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. My pleasure. We're, uh, it's I'm glad that we can cover 21NTC and that you and I can talk about building your email list for engagement. And you make the point that a big list is not necessarily good uh, if it's not engaged. So what's what's the disconnect that some folks are making that they think any any big list is better than a smaller than any smaller list? So First of all, um, I think we should talk about what is email engagement. And email engagement is when people are opening or clicking on your emails and when they're converting, which means they're taking actions that move your mission forward. That could be donating, volunteer signups, petition signatures, all those sorts of things. So if you have a really big list, but people aren't opening or clicking or taking any of those actions that move your mission forward, it doesn't matter how big the list is. What matters is whether people are doing those things or not. Um, If they are doing those things, they're building a relationship with your organization, they're learning about your mission, and they're taking those key actions. Um, But if they're not doing those things, having a big email list can actually cost you. Yeah. And how is that? How does it cost? How does it hurt you? So it hurts in a couple of ways. Um, First of all, it can increase the cost of your email program. Um, A lot of email providers charge you based on how many people you have on your email list or how many emails you send in each email campaign. Mm. So you could be paying for folks who are really just dead weight on your email list. Having that dead weight also can decrease your email deliverability. And the reason for this is that the email algorithms at companies like Gmail or Yahoo or Outlook, they actually penalize emails that have low open rates and emails that are sent to what's called zombie email addresses. And if they see those on your list, they're not going to deliver your emails as strongly. They might put them directly into people's spam email boxes. Okay. Yeah. We're going to get to ghosts and zombies. Um, um, but so the, the providers, let's make this explicit. So the providers track how your emails get engaged with and, and, and they can control where your emails end up. Yes. And this is something that. How does that work? Um, has been going on for a while, but it really became prominent around 2018, 2019. In 2019, um, Gmail actually started telling um, emailers 
concentrate on engagement. We're going to use that as an, in a key factor in determining how your emails get delivered and how your reputation is as an email sender. So, so they, they, yeah, they assign you a reputation. So if you're, if you're a sloppy sender or maybe not sloppy, but your, your list is not well, not heavily engaged. Um, they can, they can mark your messages as spam, but not, not marked by the recipient provider, but by the sending provider, the sending provider can say, this is a garbage email, send it to spam. Um, Yes. And um, listeners may have had that happen to them when there's an email list that they subscribe to. And all of a sudden it's appearing in their spam folder, you know, emails from that um, list are ending up in their spam folder. Um, That can happen either because um, the sender has been classified as having a bad sending reputation or because an individual email campaign has somehow been classified that way. If it's got too low open rates or if some of the initial people who received it marked that campaign as spam, that particular campaign can be sort of deprioritized. And those algorithms are changing all the time. I am certainly not an expert on how they work, um, but again, that that's something that started to become very prominent by 2018, 2019. And the email um, companies are improving those algorithms from their perspective all the time to try to deliver what they think people want to see into their inboxes. Okay, right. So that explains why providers are scrupulous. Like I use MailChimp, uh, scrupulous about when you add someone that, you know, they want double authentication or they, they question you when you add the person versus the person signing up for the, on their own that, you know, that you have the permission they, they want. So they're concerned about their own reputation as senders too, as well as the reputation of each individual sender that's sending through them. Right. Is that. Absolutely. And um, most of the service agreements that you'll see with companies like MailChimp, um, will require you to use certain best practices in adding people to your list. And then they'll make sure that there's an easy way to unsubscribe. And if emails are bouncing, they'll make sure you don't send to them again so that, like you say, they can keep their reputation clean as well as yours. Okay. Yeah. Like the double opt-in. Uh, the, someone says they want to join a list and then they get an email to confirm that they want to join that list and they have to opt in that way. All right. All right. Okay, so um, where, where, how do you know if you've if you've got a if you've got a problem? Can can you you can self identify it? What do you, what what's what uh, measurements are you looking for to figure out if if you've got a crummy list? Um, so it's, that's a technical term, by the way. Crummy. I list. was going to say, and crummy list is not that's necessarily the right thing. Um, okay. I would say. If you are only bringing in people who opt in and you're taking care of unsubscribes and bounces in a professional way, um, you don't have a crummy list. You just have maybe a list that could be better. Might not be engaged, an unengaged list. Yeah. Um, So some of the warning signs that you may have a list that's not engaged If you are seeing steadily declining open and click rates, that could be a warning sign. Um, If you're seeing sort of odd delivery problems on an occasional email, um, perhaps um, we had one situation where there was um, one email where we saw one domain that suddenly bounced hundreds and hundreds of emails, and it had never done that before. And um, we were told that that particular domain had put in a new spam filter that was looking for some of these zombie email addresses and using that as a criteria. Um, There was another case where we had, um, we were sent two emails in one day 
And the second email had significantly lower open rates. And we consulted with an email service provider or um, an email expert who told us that those algorithms, if the first email you send in one day gets low opens, then the second email, they might decide to just deliver it straight to the spam box. Oh, man. Um, so those were a couple of specific instances where we saw a problem. Let's get to um, these ghost. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt you. More, if you, if you have more to, to explain how we know we have problems, please. Sure. So the last one is kind of counterintuitive. But if you have a really low unsubscribe rate, then that could be a sign that you have people that aren't engaging um, they could just be like these zombie email addresses, um, an abandoned email address. They're not opening. They're not clicking. They're not unsubscribing. It's just like they're not there anymore. So occasional unsubscribes are not so bad. Exactly. And actually, we have found that the more engaged your email list is, um, our unsubscribes have actually gone up since our email list got more engaged. Now, we don't want to go crazy with that, obviously. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're down to zero. We're, we're so highly engaged that we have nobody left on our list. Right. No, that's not good. Okay. Right. Well, that's it. That's like bringing your, uh, your, your pulse to zero. I'm, so, I'm in such good health that my pulse is, only, is, is down to zero. Right. All right. <laughs> All right. You mentioned these a couple of times now, zombies. Let's, let's define these zombies and, and ghosts, please. Sure. Um, so the, the names for the folks who aren't engaging with your email, um, the first is zombies. And those are folks who did sign up for your email. At one point, they may have been opening and clicking, but they haven't for some long period of time. And how long sort of depends on your organization. Um, some folks say for more than six months. Some people say for more than a year. Um, some people say for more than 90 days. It, it depends on what your organization's um, goals are and what your programs are like. Mm. Um, ghosts are people who subscribed and never opened or clicked, not once. What's the what's the thinking behind that? They 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 why why would they have done that? That's a really good question. Um, some of them may be people who. Um, so, for instance, we have a volunteer program. Um, maybe they have an email address that they always use when they're signing up to volunteer but then they only read the emails about that volunteering experience, you know, like the auto-generated things, but they never read the emails that you send as part of an email campaign. They just don't do that. Um, other folks may have an email address that they've set up, like if they take action on an action alert, they contact their congressman and they set up a special email address that they never open. Okay, right. They, they they gave you they gave you a right an address that they don't use just to satisfy you that they gave you some address because you you needed they needed something they had to give you something so they gave you one they don't look at. Exactly. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, how do we um, how do we improve? I mean, I guess. I mean, at, at the simplest level is we should have decent content, right? And it should be segmented to folks. So we, we're hitting their priorities and their interests. Absolutely. Um, you know, you want to be giving people what they think they signed up for, um, getting them with um, or sending them stuff that they're interested in. Um, Another important thing is to segment your list based on their level of engagement. So what that looks like is maybe for your newest constituents, you're sending them an email welcome series that's targeting whatever you know about them at that point. 
So that is information that is introducing them to your brand and your mission and letting them know how they can get involved. Um, For folks who are new, who've been through that welcome series, for people who are really engaging with your email, those folks you probably want to have more frequent communication with and be giving them regular information about how they can get involved, what's new, how their involvement is making a difference, all those sorts of things. And then if they get to a point where they haven't interacted with your email for a while, um, you might want to put them on um, what we call an email diet, where you're not sending them quite as much. You're curating it a little bit more, again, still trying to target their interests, And then if they still don't open, you might want to give them a little bit of a break and then send them what's called a re-engagement series, um, which probably everybody has gotten some of these from somebody in the past. This is the, hey, we haven't heard from you in a while. Do you still want to be on our email list? Mm. That sounds like uh, rehab, like like they went from surgery to a, a rehab center. Yeah, it's um, it's it's looking trying to rehabilitate at, them, yeah, and then it, either they go, they improve, or they get worse, and you know maybe they need to move from rehab to uh, to assisted living, or maybe they can go rehab to back home, which is they get more engaged while while they're in the rehab center. Or you could look at it more as relationship counseling because it doesn't necessarily mean there's something wrong with them. It's about the relationship that you two have together, maybe it's not a good fit. Okay, that's true. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Interesting metaphors. Okay. Um, what uh, other ideas? I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to shortchange nonprofit radio listeners. Uh, other ideas for improving engagement. Um, so again, I think um, all the things that you've talked about, um, as far as you know, giving them relevant content, um, targeting by interest, targeting by engagement segment. Um, One thing I wanted to get back to um, a little bit was um, the idea of these zombie email addresses. Um, This is a little bit different from how they're interacting with your email. This is a specific kind of email address which is somebody who had an email account and maybe subscribed to your emails, but then they moved on. Maybe they left or changed schools, left or changed jobs, changed their personal email address. If that old email account wasn't closed, it's called a zombie email address. And everything that that person signed up for, all those emails are still going to their box. Um, so that is an example of maybe somebody who's moved on from the relationship. Um, to go back to your metaphors. Okay, and that, right. So that's another that's another zo- form of zombie. Okay, that could be a detrimental one. I mean, if if the organization where they work, let's say somebody changes jobs, if where they worked is sloppy and they don't close that account, all the. Uh, all the messages indefinitely are going to this inactive box that can hurt you. Yes, that can hurt you as a sender. Um, And it can also hurt that company because somebody, uh, a spammer could take over that email address and do nefarious things with it. Right. It's sloppy. Yeah. It's sloppy practice. So, all right. So there's, there's a reason again to segment by engagement as you were, as you were explaining. Because if if they're unengaged for however long it takes to you know whatever you set your threshold at, you want to you want to ask if they still want to be party to this relationship or not. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, are there places where we can uh, identify benchmarks so we know, you know, like for our mission type or for our organization size or for our list size or however however they might be identified that we can benchmark against to know if we're doing well or doing poorly? Um, there are some. Um, so one of them that we use is the MNR benchmarks. And um, they do a digital 
benchmarking for nonprofits every year in association with N10, the Nonprofit Technology Network. And they will have information about average open, click, action, and unsubscribe rates for um, different types of emails, um, like an e-newsletter versus a fundraising email versus um, an action alert. Um, And they'll look at that for also different size lists. Um, It's a very useful tool. And that's actually where we saw that our unsubscribes were very low compared to industry benchmarks. And that's one of the things that got us thinking. All right. Where do we find this uh, MNR report? So you can find this one. um, Is it M and R or M N R? The letter N. M plus R. You can find it at M plus R. Okay. M like Mr. R benchmarks.com. So mrbenchmarks.com, like Mike Romeo benchmarks.com. Okay. Yes. And that's something free that the listeners can use? Yes. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Um, Judy, I have to admonish you that N10 is no longer, they don't want to be called the Nonprofit Technology Network anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. I I missed the memo. That's okay. Yep. Uh, Amy Sample Ward is a regular contributor on the show. And... um, I don't know, a year or maybe 18 months ago, they they did a very soft little rebrand. They're, they went the way of, uh, you know, Automobile Association of America that doesn't want to be that anymore. They're just AAA. And um, uh, the American Association of Retired Persons, AARP, they just want to be AARP, no more American Association. So N10 went that way. Well, thank you for the correction. I there appreciate okay. it. Oh, it's a minor, minor thing, you know. <laughs> um, it would mean a lot to Amy Sample Ward if I if I didn't if I didn't m- mention it to you she she might be disappointed in me so that's why I'm doing it she holds me to high standards when it comes to using their name um all right what else Judy we have we still have a couple minutes left if if there's something we haven't covered or you want to go into a little more detail on anything um I there is one other thing that I think is really interesting when you're working on building your email list. Okay. And that is to think about where your subscribers are coming from. And if you have the capacity to do so, look at the engagement that you're getting from those different sources. Like if you have a volunteer program or if you're doing digital advertising or if you're um, having action alerts and people are signing up for your email list when they contact their congressman, or you're paying to post petitions on a place like care to um, how are all those different people performing who are coming from those different sources? And that can be really useful to look at their email engagement and especially their conversions to see how is your investment of time and money paying off. Yeah. Um, what's, what's the quality of those sources as referral sources? Absolutely. It might be crummy. That's my, my technical term again. Um, okay. Yes. Very good. I like your advice too about segmenting by engagement. I've, I've never heard that, but it makes a lot of sense related to this especially. So. All right. How about we leave it there, Judy? Sound okay? Sounds good. All right. She's Judy Freed, Senior Marketing Manager at Alliance for the Great Lakes. Thank you very much, Judy. Thank you. My pleasure. And thanks to all of you for being with Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 21 NTC, the 2021 Nonprofit Technology Conference. So you're allowed to say you're, uh, you're allowed to say NTC is the Nonprofit Technology Conference. You're just not allowed to say N10 is the Nonprofit Technology Network anymore. That's all. And we're sponsored at 21NTC by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. It's time for a break. Turn2 Communications. You've been hearing a lot about them uh, this week and in previous weeks. But they're ubiquitous. What can we say? They're, they're generous sponsors. The ambitious Biden agenda. Anything in there impact your work? Anything in there you'd like to be heard on? 
Want to be a trusted source? Improve your chances of an op-ed getting published? Would you like to get quoted? Turn to has the relationships to make these happen. Because your story is their mission. Turn-to.co It's time for Tony's Take Two. It's okay to be barren. When I was writing this week's Insider Alert, well, it'd be last week's now, last week's Insider Alert, uh, I just didn't have anything pithy or newsworthy. Uh, I'm sure, well, I mean, there's always, seems like there's always something newsworthy, but I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. I was feeling uh, barren of of something worth putting into the intro to the Insider Alert. Bereft, bereft of, of something that merits being there. So I just said that. I just said I'm feeling barren today. Like, I, you know, I don't have any, I don't have anything that I think you'll be interested in. So I'm just going to introduce this week's show. And in the moment, that felt kind of awkward, but that was how I felt. And on reflection now, the, the next day, this is the day after I, uh, I do the insider alerts on Thursday. And I typically record the shows or put the shows together on uh, on Fridays. So you know, with uh, with a day's perspective, it's not so bad to occasionally be barren or bereft of ideas. Uh, you know, uh, as long as I think it's, as long as it's not chronic. Um, you know, just there are going to be times when you're not feeling so creative. Uh, in my in my words, uh, it was so pithy. Um, I was lacking pith. I was sans pith. No pith. No pith today. Um, I wasn't pithed about having no pith. And I'm still not pithed about having no pith. So, like I'm saying, so with some perspective, you know, it's going to happen. So don't beat yourself up. I didn't in the moment. And um, I'm not now either. So don't do it to yourself. There are going to be those days, uh, hours, days, maybe even a week. You know, you know, you just, you're not, you don't feel your mojo. That's okay. That's okay. You'll overcome it. You're, you know, analogize yourself like, you know, to an artist or a writer. You know, they get blocks. You're doing creative work. You can get blocked up. It's okay. It's okay. That is Tony's take two. I wish I, I kind of wish I had some remedies for you. I don't. The, the, uh, the guys, right? The, the males are supposed to, uh, have solutions. Uh, I, I, uh, not, I don't know if I'm an alpha male. I don't think I am. But even uh, even beta males are, uh, you know, the guys are wired to have solutions. I don't have any solutions. I'm just saying it's okay. Boom. And that truly is Tony's take two. We've got buku buttloads more time for nonprofit radio. Here is improve your email fundraising. Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 21 NTC, the 2021 Nonprofit Technology Conference. We're sponsored at 21 NTC by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. With me now is Bonnie Huff. She's a fundraising coach and consultant under Banyan Nonprofit Strategy. Welcome, Bonnie. Thanks for having me today, Tony. Pleasure. Pleasure to have you on Nonprofit Radio. Your topic is simple changes to your email communications that raise more money. So we're trying to make email fundraising more effective. The most important thing from the last year, right? The only way we've been able to get in front of people, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's still direct mail, but, yeah, uh, yeah, but direct mail has its place. But email uh, certainly picked up a lot of slack for, yeah, for yeah. things that we could not do in 2020. All right. So... Um, where would you like to start? Where, where should we where should we uh, start with bringing this to folks? Yeah, I mean, I think what may make sense is kind of how I started with the um, session was yeah. kind of my experience in this. Um, I have always, before my time as a consultant and a coach, have worked in small nonprofit teams, and email was one of the many things that I did under my umbrella of fundraising and communications, and. And so while this session is a lot is about fundraising through email, it's really at its core about how do you engage and excite people 
how do you get them engaged and excited for what you're sending and receiving? Um, Because I I think especially in small teams, you know, emails, it kind of becomes this side, this side thing, right? It's, it's a lot of times it's no one person's focus. Um, We send out one email newsletter a month, and it's just kind of a brain dump of all of the great stuff that's been going on, but it may not be set up in a way that's as, um, as engaging as it can be to the audience. And so right. that's really the goal of, of what I was talking with the um, participants at NTC about. So like we need to be more sophisticated, more deliberate. Yeah. And, and about our email. Yeah. And, and how do you as a small team, especially make it more sustainable for you? So rather than sending it all out in one dump, as, as one email a month, can you trickle that information out and kind of hone in on specific stories each time? And really thinking about how do you work to your advantage the way that you're using your email communications rather than just sticking in this one box that for whatever reason is, is kind of the standard that most nonprofits go to with that monthly newsletter. Okay. Okay. So we need to add some, some structure to this. And, yeah, yeah. And schedule. So we have a communications plan, hopefully mm-hmm. marketing plan. As a part of that, you want to see an email plan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's going to be different for every organization, right? Because sure. I, I think about, um, you know, animal welfare organizations, a lot of times they have great content of numerous stories of adoptable pets and pictures and things like that. So they may be at a place where they want to send email once a week so that those stories and those pictures are getting in the inbox of, of the individuals that are on their list. But for another organization, it may be really difficult to capture that content. And so they may want to structure it so that they're sending every once a month, but it's only one client story every month or something like that. And it's really, it's, it's going beyond some sort of ready-made content calendar and thinking, what is the natural cadence of the work we do and how do we use email to really highlight that to the people that we're talking to? I mean, if you take that example of animal welfare, uh, say it's a humane society or something that, that can be daily emails. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our yeah. new, our new visitors or our new exactly. residents or something, exactly. right. For, for folks who want to be on the front line of, of adoption. Exactly. And, and kind of getting at that, um, you know, the idea of new visitors or, or new New people that are signing on to your cause. Um, another thing that I shared in the session that I think is so important and so underutilized for nonprofits as, as a whole is a welcome email. Um, and that is just an automated email that invites the person and, and welcomes them to your community, thanks them for engaging with you. And um, my favorite strategy with welcome emails is to ask a question to your new email subscribers. So it may be, how did you find us? But it could be, why are you engaged in our mission? What is it about our mission that excites you? So you're building that two-way communication from the get-go and it's becoming more of a a conversation rather than that one-way relationship of here's our newsletter, but please don't email us back because we can't handle it, right? Yeah, a conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. Now, I mean, for a, like a mid-sized organization, can that become a little too burdensome to, to manage all that communication? Yeah, I'm, not, so- I'm not trying to put people off. I mean, if it's a small organization and you think you're going to get back like four or five emails a day, sure, that, that's, man- uh, that's manageable. But suppose you yeah. think you might get, you might yeah. get like 100 a day. I think, I think the... So my, my focus is working with small community organizations. And so there, there is that side of it, but I also think, um, you know, only a tiny number of people are going to respond. And so a lot of about, a lot of what works with email fundraising is also just testing and tweaking, put it out there for a week. And if you are totally overwhelmed, you know, or, or a day, depending on how big you are, but if you're bigger, you also may have more staff capacity to, you know, respond to those things. Um, But I'm always, you know, pushing my clients to test and, and, and see what feels authentic and and is working to engage people. There is an important, um, I'm going to call an axiom there Mm -hmm. that when you invite people to reply, very few are going to. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do planned giving fundraising, and 
lots of times clients are reluctant to put a phone number on a piece mm-hmm. or in a letter. And I say, nobody's going to call, right. but, but you have to make yourself available. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> I could probably count on two hands the number of phone calls that people have gotten about Will's mailings that I've done over the past 15 years or something. Yes. People yeah. don't call. You know, exactly. you make the invitation, but it, so don't be put off by, oh, we're going to be overwhelmed. My God, we're yeah. not, like you're saying, test it, but the odds of you being overwhelmed are, are small. And just the act of putting that question out there and showing people that there is another human on the other side of these emails yeah. is so big in building that trust and that rapport and the credibility with your potential donors and your, your email audience, even if they don't respond it's just one of those subconscious things that they connect the dots that, you know, I'm not talking to just a random bot on the internet. It's, it's the real people that are there doing the work. So consistent with that, um, how do you feel about, uh, suppose the, you know, the, the reply email address is development at whatever welfare, uh, animal welfare yeah, versus, versus a person versus a person. You know, I think, um, and this kind of gets to the staff capacity thing, you can use development at or info at or whatever, but maybe try putting a footer that says, this is monitored by our whole development team. You may hear back from multiple individuals, but we're all here, you know, ready to respond. Um, I, I think that it can be really helpful so that, like you said, if you are inundated with things, there are multiple team members kind of uh, monitoring that address. But again, it's just that, that transparency um, with donors, they, they understand that, you know, most of the time, most donors understand we are understaffed and, and have a lot of stuff on our plate. So if you explain to them why you're using a less personal email address, I, in my experience, most people are totally fine with that. And maybe even for the test, it might be yeah. what you want to do. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's, or, that's a great development or info idea. and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Free a month back, you know, one yeah. a person a person can handle that. All exactly. Right. Exactly. So, so do you want to see like a, a six month schedule, a calendar of well, I, with, with with flexibility because events might change, news might break that's yeah. relevant to your nonprofit's work or whatever, but. Do you want to see a a long-term, well, mid-term calendar? I think planning six months to a year is good because then you are connecting the dots between your overall fundraising development plan, your social media plan, your events plan, so that all of those things are talking to each other. But like you said, with the ability to, you know, throw it all up in the air if say a COVID happens and, and jump on those opportunities where they fit um, for your organization. I, I do think planning is super important. I think it's planning with that human element in it. That is where people see real success and real, real um, response rates. You like to see one person responsible for the email communications. Um. I I think it depends on the organization. I think, you know, at smaller organizations, everybody's going to have a hand in gathering the pictures, gathering the content, whatever it might be. But it does help to have a single person develop the email, you know, get it across the finish line and, (laughs) and pull it all together. So there needs to be, there needs to be a lead, but again, you know, totally dependent on the organization, how it works with connecting with different departments and, and mm-hmm. who, who should be offering what content. Um, how do you feel about embedding video into your emails for, for, for better I, so, engagement? Or- um, video can be really powerful. It also, you know, it can affect the load time of an email. And if it takes too long to load, people may just get bored and you know just delete it. Um, but what can also work is, you know, embedding the video on your website and kind of doing a screenshot of the video so that you, and, and hyping it that way so that people are then bouncing to your website. Um, I think the, the only thing with email is, the more you have in there, 
the harder it can be to deliver and load on people's sites and we are on people's computers and we only have, you know, a split second of attention before, if they do open before they, um, they may lose interest. So that it's, it's a balancing act. Um, I do think one thing to talk, to think about for organizations that are considering what to include and how to include it. One thing that I always offer is consider what's above the fold. Um, but in terms of email, that means what are they going to see before they ever scroll? So there is, um, you know, both on mobile and desktop, take time to look at that and see, is your main link to your call to action in that top part of your email? Um, and make sure the stuff with the most impact that you want the most people to see and interact with is in that section. Um, because that is where most pe- most people aren't going to scroll past down to the bottom, um, especially when you get to those sections that say message clipped and you have to click through to an entirely different web page, you know. So I, I do always um, suggest taking time to think about what what is above the fold in that in that way. Do you have other ideas about uh, content? Um, I think, you know, well, one thing that I did want to share, I have made all of my materials from the session available on my site that people can download for free. Um, And I have an entire guide of, well, a a two-page guide of my top copy tips for email fundraising, um, along with some uh, uh, an example welcome sequence email. So I wanted to share that link with everybody in case yeah. they were interested. It is banyannonprofitstrategy.com slash free resources. And there's a button there uh, right at the top that says download the 21NTC materials so people can get that directly from there. Um, I think, you know, with a couple minutes left, I think the... One thing that we have. Oh, oh, good, good, good. Um, the other big thing that we talked about. Maybe it feels like this is dragging for you. Are you? No, no. Feels like it's been 35, 40 minutes or so. It's only been about less than fifteen. I, Tony, I just know that I can talk and talk, and and it just. uh, I I I can manage you, uh, but it's not. (laughs) I hope it's not feeling like it's been an hour. No, no. Okay. Um, The, the other major topic that I touched on was, you know, once you have this engaged audience that is opening your emails and they are donating because you've kind of made these copy changes, um, how do you grow your list? Because that is one thing that, especially with small organizations, if you still only have a couple hundred people on that, you know, they give, but the you still you're still wanting to get the your audience bigger right that's that's the goal um and one thing that i shared with the participants that really seems to connect with them was how can you think through an opportunity for an opt-in or an incentive for your organization that also connects with your mission um and so opt-ins are obviously very well known in the marketing world, which is just a free downloadable resource in in exchange for your email address. Um, And I think far too few nonprofit organizations use this as as a tool to get people that are clearly and naturally engaged and connected to your cause. Um, So, uh, you know, an example could be going along with the animal welfare organization um, would be, you know, a a list of low cost veterinary services in your area or, um, you know, a health center, a health clinic may offer a three day meal plan or healthy cooking challenge for people that may have just gotten a diabetes diagnosis or something along those lines. So you were, you know, simultaneously you're growing your list, but you're also, um, fulfilling that education component of your mission um, and, and kind of, kind of meeting those two needs in the, in the middle. It doesn't have to be a heavy lift. It does, no, it doesn't have to be a 12 page white paper. Right. And, and so many organizations already have this in their files somewhere yeah. that they're sharing with their clients and their, you know, partners and things like that. And all it is, is putting it up on the website and offering it as a free download. Um, and, and so I think that's one thing that, you know, 
nonprofits can definitely learn from, from the digital marketers of the world um, and, and kind of think through how they can connect the dots in, in that way to, to grow their audience. Can I add a little caveat to that? A peccadillo yeah. of mine is when I'm, I'm offered something like that and I do it and then they ask me for too much information that, yeah. that's, that's mandatory. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't mind... I don't mind first name. I don't even mind last name. I know some people object to last name, but yeah. I don't, first name for me, person, first name, last name, email. I'll give yeah. you that. But yeah. I've been asked for phone number. Yeah. yeah. No. I'm and- opting in for texts and calls. I, I'm, I'm just, I'll give you my email. But I've, I've heard for other folks say mandatory should be like first name and email. If, if you know, you're going to use the first name. Right. Right. You're not going to, if you're not going to personalize your emails then just ask for an email address. Yeah. 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 So let's get the zip code, yeah. phone number, you know, Social security number, yeah. just blood type, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. no, I am um, status, you know, whatever, I, <laughs> whatever intrusive thing of the day, you know, keep that to a minimum absolutely. and, and what, make sure you're going to use what you ask for. Yeah. I always suggest, I mean, the more you ask for, the fewer people are going to sign up. So I yeah. always yeah. say, Name and email, and that way you do have their name should you ever want to use it and personalize it because personalization does help. Um, and especially if it's a you know a personalized thank you acknowledgement, then you're you're a, a step further. Um, but um, I always say start with name and email because all you're trying to do is build that relationship with people and kind of start a conversation and and. and from there, you can ask for the phone number, ask for all of those, you know, more detailed things that you may not need right off the bat. You have other ideas around audience growth? So that, that's a that's a that's a great one. The the opt in for some content. Yeah. The other one that I always <laughs> offer because it's so simple, but it's so I, I see it a lot, especially with the smaller organizations, is um how easy is it for you to go on your website and find your newsletter sign up? Because so many organizations, it'll be down at the bottom or, you know, I've had clients where it's hidden on three different pages, but not on the homepage. And and so the simpler you can make it for people to find ways to connect with your email, um, the better. And so, so taking some time to go to your website as if you were a first timer and never visited. It's also helpful for just helping people to helping to understand if you are communicating your mission and all of that good stuff. But if someone shows up to your website for the first time, will they know what you do? Will they know how to sign up to stay engaged with you, both email and social media? And do you make it easy to do that? So are you only asking for the bare minimum of you know, name and email and things like that. So kind of putting that beginners or, you know, fresh eyes lens on looking at your own site, because we can all be so, you know, in the weeds of it in the day to day that it can be hard. It it can be easy to overlook that, you know, it's actually just buried somewhere. And so no one's ever seeing it. All right. Um, We still got to spend another few minutes together. Yeah. Um, let me try to think of what about, well, we kind of glossed over, uh, email content because you said you have the free resource. Yeah. So Um, what other, what other, uh, content ideas could we talk about? Um, yes. So I think the, um, you know, a couple things with, with content, um, I'm switching gears here. I think the, the biggest, you know, big picture content that kind of goes back to the planning and the calendar um, is I use an 80-20 rule. So 80% of the emails you send should be mission focused and 20% should be fundraising focused. That's obviously a guideline. Um, It's not a hard and fast rule, but the idea being that people are often not going to open all of your emails. And so even if they open half of your emails at that point, usually they're still going to see just as much or more mission content so that when they do open the fundraising content, they are, you know, primed and ready and and understand why they're being asked. So that's, that's one tip I have big picture. Um, In terms of, you know, 
in an email itself, what what are things that people should look out for? Um, this is is widely used in all fundraising copy, but the number of times people or your your organization is saying you versus we is really important. And so rather than saying our organization achieved XYZ, it really needs to connect the potential donor to that transformation. So your support made it possible for blank to happen. Um, and, and the reason behind that is subconsciously, when, when we're reading our organization achieved blank, we're thinking, well, because they, you know, they're already doing such great work, so maybe I don't need to give my gift today, or maybe I don't need to um, support them in this way at this time. So making it so that the donor and their support is making the impact of, um, is making the impact happen is really important uh, in terms of, of actual email content. And I'm, I'm trying to, to pull up that, uh, the. All right. The, well, the, we don't have to talk about content necessarily. Folks can get the, get the resource, anything. Um, well, we could leave it there, Bonnie. I mean, you, yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, I think um, the biggest thing that for me and, and in my experience as someone who kind of got, who jumped into email with much, with not much, uh, not much experience way back when is the more authentic and transparent you can be. And, and this goes for any, you know, connections and communications with donors or our audience, but the more authentic and transparent you can be the better. And, and, you know, finding ways to build that human connection beyond, um, just that, that newsletter model that we've all kind of always done is, is a, a really useful thing to think through for your organization. All right. Bonnie Huff, fundraising coach and consultant. The company is Banyan Nonprofit Strategy. You can get all those good resources, resources at banyannonprofitstrategy.com slash free resources, aptly named, the aptly named URL. It couldn't be, you couldn't make it any simpler. All right. Thank you very much, Bonnie. Thank you, Tony. My pleasure. And thank you for being with Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 21NTC, where we're sponsored by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. Next week, we're all about online accessibility. If you missed any part of this week's show, where we were all about email improvement, I beseech you, find it at TonyMartinetti.com. You didn't really need me to call out that uh, today's theme, right? This week's theme. I mean, you you, you picked that up. You did. You you grasped that. I know you did. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications. PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great.